I'm going to pick on us today. <laughs> Some of you are like, you do that every week. I hope you're okay with that. I'm going to throw out a few words, terms, or what have you, and this is going to be a listening and word association exercise. And all I want you to do is be honest with yourselves in your mind. These are being rhetorical because if they were out loud, you might regret it later. Respond as you would when you hear these words. And for those of you who have outlines, perhaps I've given you a little bit of time to maybe write down your quick emotional knee-jerk responses, just your plain and simple comments on these word ideas. It, is that easy enough? <laughs> okay, here we go. What are the things that you are thinking whenever I say the words transgender bathroom debate? Hey, I said it's quiet. <laughs> How about the word gun control? Pick whatever your favorite name is here, Obama, Trump, or Clinton. <laughs> How do those words strike you? <laughs> First responses. <laughs> NFL players kneeling during the national anthem. How does that make you feel? Let's get a little bit closer to home. What about the Message Bible? What are your instant responses to that? How about the King James Version Bible? Man, people do not understand in the mind, but okay. How about end of the world beliefs? How does that make you feel? How about peace stance or pacifism. <laughs> How many of you love this phrase, wives, submit to your husbands? Emphasis on the word submit. How about the idea of women pastors? And just to finish everything off, finish this sentence for you, Finish this sentence again in your mind. I'm really tired when my spouse or my family member or my close friend does blank, does this. I get really tired of that. I think I did enough damage there. Now, with all those in mind, I'd invite you to stand in honor of reading God's Word together. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. I tried to finish the first chapter, but I couldn't. So we'll just go to verse 21. James writes, Know this, my, bro my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're going to have to do a miracle today. I pray that you do that every Sunday. 
please guard my attitude whenever I preach this sermon. <clears throat> please say what it is that you desire. Please open up our hearts to receive your word, to be implanted. And help us, like James, to receive it with meekness, as he tells us to. Father, we thank you that we can receive it with meekness, and everything you would call us to in this sermon can be accomplished through the powerful and gracious work of Jesus Christ at the cross and what it has done for our hearts and our lives. So we thank you for what he has done. We thank you that he is living, ruling, and reigning. Help us to know that he needs to reign over our hearts as well. We pray these things in his name. We ask that you would get me out of the way and say what it is you desire. We pray these things. Amen. Please be seated. Since I've already brought up some heated political topics, I'm going to keep on trucking. I try not to be political, but every now and then God wants to be political, I think. So. Yeah, that's my job. Oh, oh, okay. So, this is not a political comment, but merely an observation, and I think relevant to the passage, which is why I bring it up. It's going to be a common frame of reference for us all. The administration in our current presidency ran on a campaign rhetoric that largely seemed to be influenced with angst, resentment, and disgruntlement, right? Make America great again is in large part stemmed from the belief that America is not great now, or it wasn't whenever he was running. It's been far too long since America's been great. It's been treated unfairly. Its leaders have done disservice to it, and it's not been for the people. Angst, resentment, disgruntlement. Like conservative talk radio, I often cannot stand newspapers, and especially letters to the editor. <laughs> I read them, but they are hard to stomach for me, and I'm not saying this as in nobody should read them. I should say I need to grow. And if you have Facebook and are on it for too long, which is about anything longer than a minute for me, you find that many Facebook posts are like letters to the editor. <laughs> now, I'm... I don't show movies for you often in my sermons, so I'm going to show one today. This is a satir satirical movie, so it's not real, but it's oh so true. And for some of you older folks, he's going to make a lot of references to social media, but I think you will get the idea of what he's trying to say. So if this works, let's take a look at this movie together. And I need to see. All right. Are you outraged by something you've seen on the internet? Are you tired of typing out those long Facebook rants only to minimal response? Introducing Get Offended, the new app that helps you let the world know your feelings have been hurt on the internet. Oscar nominations, Confederate flags, Beyonce Super Bowl halftime performance. Our revolutionary technology provides icons on all your social media timelines, allowing you to get instantly offended at the push of a button. Don't let another zoo gorilla situation go by without letting the world know that you have a strong opinion. It's easy. Simply enter your ethnicity, religion, and political party, and we'll tailor content to help you get offended. Starbucks cups and gender bathrooms. Finally, no more thinking for yourself or forming your own opinion. Just get online and get angry. Politically inclined? Well, the old days of educating yourself and voting in elections are over. Just get online and start screaming. Custom alerts even help you get offended while remaining completely uninformed. 
So for the makers of Change Your Profile Photo to make you feel like you've made a difference, come get offended. Via YouTube video that you don't think is funny, what are you going to do? Stop watching and move on with your day? Well, now you can take any humorous situation and instantly ruin it with Get Offended. Whether it's a lion being shot in Africa or a Muslim kid with a clock, don't miss your chance to get offended today about an issue you didn't even know existed yesterday. Get Offended, helping you let the opinions of strangers on the Internet determine your quality of life. Now available in the App Store. And if you're interested, it's not a real app, so don't go looking for it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now I used to think because this is what church people told me that it is primarily the way of the political correct advocates who get easily offended I used to think that if you remember though I listed some rather argued over subjects in the church that Christians get easily offended over as well if not offended at least passionate opinionated and loud about it if you've been at Bible study on Friday nights, or even in Sunday mornings, you probably know what I'm talking about, sometimes. In our day of instant communication, there seems to be news brought to us at such a rapid pace. As this funny video said, don't miss your chance to get offended today about an issue you didn't even know existed yesterday. That is our day, instant communication, instant news. Where we pick up with James, we read, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I want you to note the key words here of quick and slow. What are we to be quick in? Hearing. What are we to be slow in? Speaking and anger. Here's my practical translation for you today. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. Christians, I believe, and I'm talking to myself here, just need to calm down. Every news opinion is taken personally. The world is always ending. <laughs> and if we're not up in arms against those up in arms against us, why then we're not true believers. Uh, very much not so. Uh, Jesus says in, verse, in Matthew 5, verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely on my account. And I don't know about you, but that, for me, kind of describes a lot of the news that many Christians get offended, or at least passionately up in arms against. Jesus says, though, in verse 12, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know what that means to me? Calm down. <laughs> right? Nobody's taking anyone's birthday here. Know this, James exhorts. Then because the Holy Spirit knows he's getting right at the heart, the problem, the sum, the default mode of many, if not most people, he wants to let you and me, Christian, know his affections for us and remind us of God, the Holy Spirit's affections for us. He calls us, my beloved brothers, my dear ones. And as a side note, for those of you who do not know, the word brothers is literally that in the Greek. And though many translations use brothers and sisters to be more inclusive, one of those controversial decisions that Christians don't get offended, but, you know, 
passionate about. <laughs> Why biblical authors use the term brothers, though, is not because it was simply a patriarchal society, and they didn't think of women, nor did they diminish, the, diminish their role. To use brothers like James did, who knew that he was addressing women, was actually empowering. Why? Because James was giving dear sisters in the Christ, in Christ, by calling them brothers, it means that they were an equal inheritor. That their worth in the kingdom was like that of a man in a society where women were not valued as much. So whenever a literal Bible translation uses men, brothers, and sons, it is encompassing women too. It's elevating a woman's status, not forgetting them. And so James, before he cuts us to the heart, reminds us of who we are. Beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. Why is this important? You know, I do know what kind of sermon I'm preaching right here, and I know my context. <laughs> Woodland. Like sometimes it feels like people move to Woodland so they can get angry about the world and do it in a safe, remote area. And then have people that mostly agree with them around them. And then they go to Woodland Friends Church and they find it's a very diverse group. And so they can get angry about all the disagreements there too. James says, be quick to hear. And though it's principally good to be quick to hear in all contexts, right? Hear both sides of an argument. Hear the whole story and not just the part that ticks you off or sounds right to you. Or hear the entire story. Husbands, it's quite possible your wife really doesn't even want you to comment, period. Just be quick to hear. Or be quick to hear rebuke and correction. Lots of times are good to be quick to hear. But James is speaking in a context. Verse 18, right before this. He says, of his, that is God's own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures. And then at the end of verse 21, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So again, in the context of wisdom literature, which is largely what James is writing, he's speaking in a general way, be quick to hear, but also, James is saying, be quick to hear the word, the word of God, the gospel, the word of truth which cuts hearts, convicts souls, and seeks about repentance from genuine believers. Are you quick to hear, or have you already shut down this message? <laughs> oh, Kevin's getting political. He's always been too liberal, or is he a conservative, or who is he? Or he's too young, he's naive. Are you quick to hear, or quick to shut out? Are you quick to hear Jesus when he talks about blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account? Do you hear that? How about in your relationships with friends of the faith? Are you quick to hear them? It's easy in our context that Woodland, from our very backgrounds, to suspect each other. That's just the Quaker talking in you. I'm not going to hear that. That's just the Nazarene, that's just the Mennonite, that's just the Baptist, that's the fundamentalist in you, and we put up labels. How about your family? You know, I'm really tired of this aspect of your personality, and it's coming out of your mouth again, so I'm just not going to hear that. I'm going to talk over that. Are you quick to hear? And are you slow to speak? Slow to speak. I struggle a lot in my prayers being a writer, I write my prayers a lot, and I almost feel guilty if my prayers are only a few paragraphs long. 
Or, or I feel guilty if I have little to say in my prayers when I do word them out loud or in my head. No reason to feel guilty. Sometimes we need to be quick to hear God and slow to speak to Him. Sometimes we need to be quick to hear the Word of God, whether it be reading it ourselves or hearing it from the pulpit or a fellow Christian giving godly counsel or rebuke, and then slow to speak to defend ourselves. Slow to speak to justify why we still feel right, why we want to ignore conviction. We need to be slow to speak before Jesus, who is our Lord and our Sovereign. And instead of saying, you don't know all the details, Jesus, you don't know the context, but they said and they did, and I can't let that go unchallenged, and it's not fair, and are you truly, genuinely being quick to hear and slow to speak? Or are you saying, I've got all the facts I need to know, say no more? Really? One proverb that wasn't read today earlier, but really speaks to this, is Proverbs 18.17. The one who states his case first seems right, until the other comes and examines him. And how many of us, certainly myself, will say, thankfully, most of the things I encounter are black and white. And is it really black and white, or have you not heard how it could be great? One of the last Nazarene district assemblies I went to, I had already been pastoring here, and I went to a workshop that was, as the leader of the workshop told me, really Quaker. And what they meant by that was that they were trying a small group type setting where we are discipled by Jesus. It's a really good book. The, the, the guy leading the workshop was the author. And what happens is 68 people, 6 to 8, not 68, 6 to 8 people are brought to the table, and then there's kind of a moderator. And he begins by praying, asking God to dwell with us, speak to us. And then there are leading questions to the people at the table, such as, where did you encounter God today, kind of a uh, Bonnie asks every morning at our where we sing songs before Sunday school, and why was it an encounter? Or they might ask, as this was asked to me, has something been heavy on your heart lately that you'd like to share? And then the moderator will pray that God will speak to the situation, whether it be in Bible verses that come um, to mind, or maybe some of the people just feel inclined to speak, godly counsel. Well, I was invited to this table. This workshop easily was seeing 60 or so people. So six, two, eight of us were around this table. I shared something that had been heavy on my heart in those moments. I really won't go into what that was, because what surprised me was what someone said in response to it. And it seemed rather unrelated at the moment to what was burdening me. So I, I laid out my struggle, and someone said to me, I've been hearing or I've been sensing pride in you. <laughs> and I pray if if that's the Lord speaking, that you would receive it. Pride. And really, I felt like pride played no part in the situation I was going through. I felt like it was a slap in the face, to be honest. Like, I just laid out my heart. Here's what I'm going through. It's really burdensome. And, you know, that's kind of humbling. And the first thing I hear is, there's a lot of pride in you. Quick to hear, slow to speak. I, I heard that. I can't say I received it right away, but to be honest, in retrospect, I believe pride had a lot to do with the situation I was going through. Now a caveat. James, the Holy Spirit, biblical counsel, is not telling us to hear blatantly false theology, obvious sinful counsel, or what have you, and receive it. 
Being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger says nothing about positive reception. I can be quick to hear someone tell me that Jesus is not God. And then I can be slow to speak in response to them. And I can be slow to anger in my response to them. And all the while, I never receive it. I can say politely, I disagree with you. Jesus is God. And if you'd love to reason with me through the scriptures, I can prove it. Let us begin. Where James and where the Holy Spirit is speaking to us is our attitude of reception. Not necessarily our celebration, approval, or affirmation in our relationships. Do you hear the difference? What is the godly attitude in this area of being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger? Because even if you are quick to hear and slow to speak, and you find that you personally, and it feels like godly wisdom would tell you to be against what you're hearing, to be firmly planted on the truth that is opposing what you are hearing, are you still slow to anger? Are you slow to anger? A few years back, the Ministerial Association put on some community prayer meetings. Our valley's just suffering with this meth problem. And so we had a few community prayer meetings at the Chamber of Commerce building. And I brought this Bible right here. It is called the Reformation Study Bible. And it's being filled with... Um, with Reformation study notes, so undeniably Calvinist, and some of you hear the word Calvinist like you hear the word terabyte or megabyte. The notes of the Bible were, were good, and the majority of the notes are practically helpful, period, filling in background of verses and so forth. But I got to this meeting, and a member of the Nazarene Church was there, and she looked at me with big eyes and anxious heart and a quick tongue. Why do you have that Bible? <laughs> That's a very divisive theology, she tells me. Now, thankfully, I knew the background of this person, and they had started attending the Nazarene Church because the last church they attended was infiltrated by some pretty staunch Calvinists who were making the church go in a direction where only the Calvinists were right, and everyone needed to conform. I personally believe that Calvinists should be able to do church with the other side of the spectrum, Arminians, but not all people share that sentiment. The point being is, as this demonstrates, we are quick to let our past to let our hurts inform our responses. It was a knee-jerk response of this woman in some ways to lash out at me for having a Bible that subscribed to a theology that was hurtful to her in her past. I understand the pain and the hurt, and I understand on my part needing to be compassionate, which I hope I was by God's grace, and I didn't bite back, and I just answered politely, because I don't blame her for her hurt. And in fact, I don't... I kind of hesitated sharing this illustration because this was not to show you how great of a person I was and how bad they were. That's not what I'm saying. Just giving you an illustration. What we can take away, though, is, is our emotions and our anger, is our emotions and our anger colored in our responses? I don't know how many times I pray for patience. Because we have those relationships with people we've known for too long, we tell ourselves whether it be church members, family members, and we just grow impatient about their quirks, setbacks, or their out-and-out sins, right? Oh my goodness, here comes another joke. <laughs> I'm trying to work on bills here and some grown-up stuff, and you want to tell me a joke, right? Or, oh boy, here comes the same million questions you ask every time we need to do a big decision. And what if lightning strikes? <laughs> Can we just make a decision here? Are you not informed? Or, oh, look, they're eating another bowl of ice cream, and they wonder why they can't lose weight. 
slow to anger. Why? Because some people like Kevin Davis just need to calm down. Is that other joke going to kill you? Are answering their questions so they feel comfortable going to kill you? Is your birthday being taken away? What are your sins, quirks, and setbacks that they're tired of, but they put up with? By God's grace, calm down. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But beyond personal relationships, Christians, I think we need to calm down in the public world. (laughs) We need to calm down every time a big corporation or a government makes either an apparent or decidedly anti-Christian sentiment or step. Why? Is it because I don't care? I wouldn't say that. Is it because I'm not a genuine believer? Is it because I'm too naive? Is it because I'm indifferent or because I'm ignorant? No. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Most Christians who are angry a lot love that story of Jesus with the whip clearing the temple, right? And most Christians, when confronted about their anger, they're slow to hear and quick to say, you know, I have justifiable reasons why I'm angry. It's a righteous indignation. And isn't it amazing just how many sinful human beings have mastered this art of having the indignation of God's righteousness, whose ways are above our ways, and we spend our entire lifetimes getting to know. I guess this righteous indignation is just the first thing we must learn, since we all seem to have it so often. Or it could be that our anger is not as righteous as much as we think it is. Now again, I need to be careful here. There are certainly things that we're okay to be angry about. But Ephesians 4, 26-27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. I've seen entire political campaigns use public anger as their motivating drive. And if injustice and immorality so forth produces the anger, if people are able to have a united cause around anger since it's such a great thing, combating injustice and immorality, and do so without sinning, glory be to God. But consider what Paul says in Romans 12, 14-21. He says, Bless those who persecute you. How many of you, every time you read a news article about a talk show host calling Christians mentally deranged for saying that God speaks to them, or a court ruling that a cake baker or a photographer or a restaurant or a property owner is being fined for denying their services to a biblically incorrect union, is it your first thought to bless those people who are persecuting Christians? Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Very important here. Do not be haughty which is extremely hard in our American culture when pride is a virtue and humility is a sign of weakness. Nevertheless, we are to associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. That's what I was praying for this whole week. God, it better be your words. (laughs) Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. 
To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will weep, heap burning coals on his head. Some of you might weep by doing that as well. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How many of us here are making sure that our enemy has enough sustenance to go on about his work, even if it's more persecution? Do you pray for those people that tick you off in the news, that tick you off in the community? Do you truly wish their survival and their well-being? Do you? But God will vindicate me, and they treated me unfairly, and their sinners not saved, not of the household of faith, and the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. God is righteous, which means he will save them should they accept him, or they will find justice as they pass away, God forbid, without accepting Christ. Christians, we live in a hostile, polarizing world. May our actions promote harmony. I'm not saying Christ does not divide. He says, I come to bring a sword, not peace. He does, and our loyalty to Christ will create some division. But may it never be said they were too angry. That's why they divided people. May it only be said, you know, they are immovable when it comes to their doctrine. They are committed to Christ above all things. They're too unwilling to adapt their beliefs to our culture. That's bound to happen. But to hear, why should I join them? They're yelling back at the very people who yelled against them in the first place. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Here's probably the biggest thing I'm getting at and the easiest way to say it. Christians seem to react to opposition to them the same way the world reacts. Right? If we want to be public with Christian sentiment in the political sphere, we do the same things that we might be opposed the opposing political people do. We have angry speeches, we belittle the other side, we perpetuate propaganda about them. Well, it's not propaganda if it's true. And we are slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to be angry. We do this publicly and, politi- and politically, but it doesn't take too long to be in a church community to realize we still sin this way personally. As a youth pastor, I was teaching the youth one time on the idea of original sin, that people seem to come out of the womb with the propensity to sin. I've never once had to teach Calvin how to disobey me. I've never... Nor did I ever have to tell him, you know how when I tell you not to do that and you immediately stop doing it? I just wish for once you'd keep doing it. Just please. <laughs> I've never had to say that to Calvin. And I was teaching the youth group just that. Many kids, many infants. I had nephews at the time that I had observed in their very young age. that you just, They just have the propensity to be disobedient. They don't like the word no. It's why they fuss every time you tell them no. Well, one person in the youth group went home that night. And instead of calling me personally, I read on Facebook, you know how much I love Facebook, a public announcement to all their Facebook friends, well, I'm not going to youth group anymore. It was nice knowing all you youth groupers. No phone calls to me, no email, no message, no talking to me personally, period, none of that. 
And I should say that after I've been in ministry for almost 10 years, this is a common thing, that people are more willing to leave a ministry without giving any sort of reason why, which feels really good to the minister. Not really. And I, I believe, maybe I could be wrong, but I think the correct thing to do would be up front, lay it out with the minister, see if a misunderstanding or a miscommunication has taken place, which was the case here in youth group. I finally get a hold of this ex-youth group person, and is there any reason you have for leaving I could assume that it has no relation to me or anything said or done at youth group as to why you stopped coming, but I really can't help but think that. And I hear, well, you think babies go to hell. And my family doesn't subscribe to that. I don't subscribe to that either. I guess case closed. Uh, I guess we're okay. My showing that infants know how to sin out of the womb is a far cry from supposing, assuming, or implying that they go to hell if they are to die. Now, I should have been really good and think about these potential misinterpretations and explain that at youth group, and I learned from that. But the youth groupers and their parents demonstrated to me, as I think about this verse, maybe they were a little slow to hear, a little quick to speak, and a little quick to get angry. How many times do we do that? How many times did you want to get up and leave from this sermon? I know where he's going with this. I don't buy it. I'm done. Slow to hear quick to speak, quick to get angry. James, the Holy Spirit, knows the world's ways of handling issues is certainly not God's ways. We have a problem and we are slow to hear and quick to speak and quick to get angry. This is why James is basically saying, get rid of that sin problem. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. One of those quirks of mine that Christy did not live with, which I will give to her, it's a quirk that should, not, it should be detested, is old clothes. Right? Any of you men have the shirts with the built-in cooling systems like I do? Some people call them holes. You know, we've been working forever on those holes, and to just see them thrown out is kind of a waste of material. So the ongoing joke, well, not really joke, it really happened, was that Christy... Whenever this shirt of mine would come up in the laundry, she would first hide it, and then wait for a day when I was gone, and then throw it out. <laughs> it's not even thrift store worthy. And she would probably be afraid that I'd try to wear it again if we started using them as dust rags. So, the words, put away, often used in other verses, is the same idea in Greek of what people are to do when they put old clothes away and put on a new pair such as the Christian life were to be clothed in Jesus' robe of righteousness, and the old man and the old clothes, the dirty clothes, the filthiness, and the rampant wickedness are to be put away with, thrown out. James, the vivid guy that he is here, filthiness and rampant wickedness. Like that stings just a bit more than just, hey, put away your bad habits, your hang-ups, your problems, your mistakes, and your personality quirks. Because the Bible is plain about our sin. It's sin. It's an offense to God. It's filthy and it's rampant wickedness. It's kind of like the idea of weeds. You can't get rid of it. Rampant wickedness that resides in us and it's redeemed by God. And we are not able to put it away like a pair of bad clothes, not thrift store worthy. We can put it away by what James ends on. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Here's something to get fired up about, right? 
the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. We Christians get so backwards. We watch the news and have tantrums and we open up the Bible and say, same old thing. Christ dying on the cross for my sins and saving the world. Humbug. Receive with meekness the opposite of anger. The idea of being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Receive with meekness the implanted word. The word of God, Jesus Christ, the gospel, the transforming, redeeming power that is tossed out like a seed on the various soils. Four of them to be exact, as Jesus says it. Three of which don't allow to allow or grow the seed. The last of which is the best soil to have. Have the meek, good soil. Hard words produce soft hearts. Have soft hearts. Stop saying, yeah, you're talking a lot to that other guy today, aren't you? Stop rationalizing, yeah, but I really do have a good reason to be angry. Again, if you want to be fired up, be fired up about King Jesus. Persecute me all you want, but in God's eyes I am blessed, is what Jesus is telling us to say. And I have an answer for your problems. Have you met him? He loves you, I love you. He's not worried about your kneeling during the anthem. He's not mystified by your problems with sexuality. He's not thwarted by powerful rulers doing stupid things. He's died on the cross for all your sins and all my sins. And He can save your soul. He can redeem you and change you and save you from your sins and bring you out from under darkness and into the light. He can take the sins of the world and use them for His great and glorious purposes. He's the answer for all our problems. Angry world leaders promising change won't fix it. We have a Savior. His name is Jesus. Getting so angry at injustice and then using the world's same tools to try to fix it won't work. We have a Redeemer. His name is Jesus. Getting everyone worked up over all the injustices. Oh, look at those sinners. They're sinning again. How horrible and unexpected. Is it news? King Jesus is good news and great joy for all people. Talk about Him. Receive Him. Get fired up about Him. Quick to hear Jesus because what He says transforms hearts. That is better than CNN, Fox News, or your latest magazine will ever help you. Slow to speak. i got notes to preach that I've prayerfully thought over and I probably still shouldn't have said half of this. Flow to anger. The world has enough anger. Self-righteous people who accomplish absolutely nothing. God's vengeance is perfect. His justice is total. And His grace is sufficient. So receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... I've been here so many times. And it's not just in the public world, but also in the personal world. Father, you've changed our hearts to get rid of these sinful ways of responding to things. Father, we know that your anger is righteous, your indignation is righteous, and I'm not denying that many times we have that, but at the same time, are there many times when we think we have it? But when in reality, if we just step back and take a look, we'd see that we're doing the exact same thing the other side is doing. Just our rhetoric is different. Father, would you help us to be peacemakers in a world that is 
anything but peace. Father, would people feel comfortable and invited when they talk to us? And welcome. Not that we would be movable on what we believe or movable on, on sins in their lives and sins in our life, but rather that they would feel comfortable opening up to us. Father, would you give us the right words to say in those moments when everybody is looking? Father, would you help us to receive with meekness your appointed word? We pray these things in Jesus' name.